Welcome to today's conversation with special guest, Dr. Sean McDowell. My name is Eric Hoven. I'm the president of Creation Today, and we are asking the question, how does Generation Z see the church? And I also want to ask, how does the church see Generation Z, and how should it see Generation Z? I'm excited about today's conversation. Let me take a moment to say thank you to everybody out there on social media who's joining us and those of you joining us through our podcast. I wish you could see this. You need to jump over to YouTube if you want to check out the video of this conversation. To all of you homeschoolers out there who call your pajamas your school uniform, you guys are awesome. I want to thank you and all the families that uh, hang out with us on a weekly basis to get information and grow your faith. We want all the stumbling blocks that keep people from coming to Christ to be turned into stepping stones on your journey to know the true God of the Bible. And for our small groups that join us each week, we want to say thank you for learning with us. Hey, today uh, on the show, I'm going to be offering a special deal on Sean's book that, so that the next generation will know. Uh, we're doing this because we really do believe that we are at a critical time in history to reach the next generation, and we need all hands on deck. So we really want people uh, to jump in and be involved in really fulfilling the Great Commission, doing what God has called us to do. And that, that and well, we'll probably talk about that on the show. What are the, the marks of the church? How should we, uh, as the church, be operating? I want to jump right into our conversation about Generation Z and the church. Dr. Sean McDowell has been uh, researching and writing about millennials and now Gen Z for many years. He's a Bible teacher and a professor of apologetics at Biola University. And other than Sean's good looks and his brilliant intellect, I feel like I feel like we have a lot in common. Uh, we both have a huge desire to see God at work in people's lives. And we care greatly about the truth. We care about it so much that we want to spend our lives researching and teaching the, uh, others about what we've discovered. I know you're going to learn a lot from Sean today. So, Sean, thanks so much for hanging out with me, man. I appreciate it. Eric, thanks for having me on, man. Above all, our shared heart for the next generation. Really appreciate your friendship and willingness to have this conversation. I'm wondering, are we, are we, are we doing enough, man? Are we, are we doing enough to, to, to stem the tide against what seems like a lot of people walking away? So I want to kind of unpackage that with you today in the conversations we talk about this. And, and for those of you, by the way, who are concerned uh, that Sean and I might differ on the age of the earth. Listen, Sean and I are here for a completely different conversation and one that you really are going to learn a lot from. Sean, Lifeway put together a top 10 traits of Generation Z. I thought it'd be fun to, uh, I don't have music and I'm not David Letterman and I don't have a band <laughs> over here, but I wanted to hit these top 10 traits of Gen Z and see what you think about them. Is that cool? Yeah, by the way, you said David Letterman. Gen Z is just sitting there going, who the heck is David Letterman? <laughs> That's true. They don't have a clue. <laughs> that was for our older audience members. All right. Top 10 traits of Gen Z. Number 10, 
They are open to faith, which can be a good thing. Although only 4 in 10 attend religious services weekly, 78% of older Gen Zers say they believe in God. They uh, view religious leaders as better role models than celebrities, professional athletes, or political leaders. Thoughts? Look, I, I've spoken to tens of thousands of Gen Zers every year. I teach a high school class still. I have two Gen Zers in my family, two <laughs> high school kids. I can tell you they are open to faith. And in fact, in some ways, because of COVID and the difficulties that they've experienced, you could maybe even argue that they're more open to faith than previous generations, at least at this age. That's amazing to see there. What I've noticed over the last 10 years is they really do want the truth. They're not satisfied with just somebody's answer. No, hang on. Let me check that. I want to know if it's true or not. And they're Mm. fascinated by that. Number nine. They are post-Christian. Many are growing up in homes with no religion, claiming no religious identity at all. While they're very tolerant of all religions, Gen Z has no acquaintances with the truth of the gospel. They're not exposed to that very much. Any thoughts? Yeah, this is an interesting difference between millennials and Gen Zers as a whole. A lot of millennials who are not Christians were raised in a Christian background. Many of Gen Zers are, but a lot less than previous generations did. So in Barna's recent study on Gen Z, they said that means they have some less baggage from bad church experience than previous generations. So I think I think they're onto something, but the key is that they're post-Christian in their worldview. And I would argue, Eric, that even when it comes to Christian Gen Zers, who go to church and who pray and are Christian families and many Christian homeschool families have a post-Christian secular worldview. We're going to need to talk about that. Number eight, they are justice minded. Gen Z wants to make a difference in the world. They're keenly aware of justice issues concerning poverty, human trafficking, refugees, racism, and more. They want opportunities to have an impact and they're likely to become generous givers. I would probably frame that uh, What's the term they use here? I would say they are justice aware, not Ah. so much justice minded because they're raised in a generation where when you and I were younger, it was like tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. Now it's diversity and social justice. So this is pushed on them. They're aware of it. But I think most young people are not walking around going, how do I fix racism? How do I feed the poor? They're just like, how do I survive in school? And how do I make the sports team? That's their primary thinking but it's pushed to them and talked all the time that they're aware of it. And certainly there's a segment of Gen Zers that are very justice oriented. Interesting. I wonder sometimes it feels like they do want that kind of justice. They have a, it's almost like they have a form of godliness. They understand there's right and wrong, yet they're kind of denying where it really comes from sometimes when I talk to them. That's what I feel like. Number seven, uh, they are aware of a troubled planet. They're looking at an earth in trouble. Most Gen Zers grow up, have grown up since 9-11, have only known a world where terrorist attacks are the norm. They want change and are both hopeful and realistic. So think about this. For Gen Zers, they are the first post-9-11 generation. But what big terrorist attacks have they lived through? The answer is, I don't think terrorist attacks shape them. They're aware of a troubled planet, But what troubles them more is climate change. I mean, there's studies that show whether it's real or not is not my point. The point is this is the perception that the climate and the world's going to end within a dozen years. 
And this can have crippling psychological effects in many in this generation. I think the other thing it affects them is school shootings. And I remember Columbine in 1999. This generation has no awareness or memory of Columbine, but they've been raised having drills in schools for school shootings. The way my mom had drills get under the desk when there's a nuclear bomb, that affects your psyche. So I'd argue it's more climate change to school shootings than terrorist attacks that actually affect this generation. Good point. What year was this study done, Jules? We'll have to figure that out. (laughs) Hey, number six, they are pretty independent. Generation X took a very hands-off parenting approach, which has both pros and cons. They are self-directed and confident, but they're not necessarily equipped with real life wisdom or boundaries. So I, I, I guess I'd say a couple of things. I've seen a range of studies that we document in the book that you're giving away in the UK and in Britain, that this generation wants reasonable boundaries. Because I think they realize, even especially with technology, they realize that boundaries say that I care and you're important to me. Mm. So it's a generation that does want boundaries, but they're also very pragmatic generation is the term that I would use. I had trouble with my plumbing a while ago. I was like, oh, I got to call a plumber. My son's like, watch YouTube video and figure it out. (laughs) And I was like, you're right. This generation for better or worse feels like their opinion and their abilities are as good as anybody else. And so that's good that they're pragmatic and independent. The downside is like, yeah, maybe you don't know what you're talking about and need to study this for another decade before your opinion (laughs) counts. By the way, this study is from 2017. Jules said, Mm. um, how fast, I mean, in your research, how fast is this stuff changing? It's just keeping up with Everything seems to be almost impossible. Well, studies change every two to three years, but you work through COVID. That in some ways changed all the data. And that study, 2017, is pre-COVID. So this tells us about older Gen Zers leading into COVID, so it's important. But that shifted a lot of things. In fact, exacerbated the trends that you're talking about here. Number five, they are much more culturally diverse. If your church's organization or congregation is not diverse, Gen Z will wonder why. Interracial, mar- interracial marriage is also much more common, uh, and about half the kids under five are ethnic minorities. The most popular wow. U.S. last name is Smith. Very soon, it might be Rodriguez. Wow. Gen Z is the Gen Z is the last majority white generation. Whoever comes next, Gen Alpha, whatever they call them, will be a majority non-white. So they are growing up in that shift and seeing it. In fact, this generation really only notices a lack of diversity when it's not there. They're trained to see the world through that lens. Number four, they're pretty accepting of sexual fluidity. Gen Z supports gay marriage, transgender rights. For them, such things are just a normal part of everyday life. That's absolutely correct. I think this generation has an entirely different view of family, sex, relationships, even within the church. I think most kids want to hold the biblical view but are kind of softly affirming because they don't know how to think Christianly. For you and I growing up, it was like, this is an issue that was out there. It's personal to them. And you might say for many of them, it is a social justice kind Mm -hmm. of issue because that's how it's been framed within this culture. So true. That's That's a whole talking point. Number three, they have seen porn probably lots of it. No other generation has had it so readily available at their fingertips. Most of them, 25% of students in Los Angeles uh, said that they were uh, sending sexually explicit texts. Yeah, they've not only seen it, but I would say porn is one of the key things that shapes their worldview. 
a particular view of relationships. So the scripts they buy about sex, the scripts they buy about relationships are formed primarily not through the church, not through the parents, not through the school, but primarily through porn. Now, of course, there's exceptions to this, but we really have a pornified generation. And I don't even think we've really grasped how much it affects the brain, affects relationships, affects their worldview. And my dad's massive study, this was 2016 with Barna on porn. He said, when a kid looks at porn habitually, it undermines confidence in the authority of scripture. So this is a huge issue. It's the mammoth in the room, so to speak. (laughs) Number two, they are the only generation to be born into technology. They've never known a world without the internet, cell phones, and Wi-Fi. And their preferred mode of communication, which is so hard for me, is digital, primarily social media and texting. Yeah, the term that's often used is they're truly digitally native generation. This generation has been swiping phones and iPads, many before they could talk or even read. So here's the way I put it that might be helpful. My generation, I'm a Gen Xer. We, our default communication is offline. I learned how to communicate online. For many in this generation, their default is online. They have to learn how to communicate offline. It's so hard for me. When people message me through <laughs> Instagram, I'm like, dude, send me a, t- I don't, I don't go. I don't have my notifications on. That's uh, number one. They make up a huge percent of the population, which is why I think the conversation we're going to have about how they see the church is so important. 24% of the U S population is Gen Z 30% of the world population, 2 billion out of almost 8 billion is generation Z. It's a huge number. Wow. We, we need to make sure they understand the truth thoughts. Yeah. So Gen Z are basically those 10 to 25 years old. And sometimes demographers will assess that differently. There's usually a plus or minus five year gap because these terms are somewhat artificial, but nonetheless, when we talk about Gen Z, they are a growing population as older populations pass away. Last thing I'll say is you mentioned globally, I've been asked to speak on Gen Z, if I remember correctly, Singapore, Philippines, New Zealand, and maybe one or two other countries. This is the first generation I would ever go to somebody else's country and presume to tell them about their young people. And the reason is, is it really is the first truly global generation that can connect with anybody, anywhere, anytime. So when we talk about this generation, there are unique differences to different countries, but we're seeing a lot of common trends globally happen in ways I'm not sure we did with previous generations. Interesting. So let's jump into the topic at hand. How, how do they see the church? And, I, and maybe we need to talk about what, you know, what, what is the church? We talked about the bad church experiences of millennials. I have no idea what they're talking about. I've never had a bad church experience. Never. Maybe a couple. Um, no, but I, I'm like, so how does Generation Z see the church? What's the good? What's the bad? How do we help them to, I mean, I look at the church and I'm like, this is, this is the bride of Christ. Ultimately, this is something that's supposed to be presented as beautiful, supposed to help society. And now we're seeing them go, Hey, we want to be a little more secular. We want to try to do good, do the good, but without that stuff that hurts without the religion. Mm. What have you learned about Gen Z and, and, and the church? So when we talk about Gen Z, I know, you know, this, it's a huge block of millions of young people and it's helpful to talk about them as a block because they have certain experiences like growing up with COVID, being digitally natives that characterize this generation as a whole. 
but there's also a lot of unique individual experiences that are person dependent. So you and I grown up with dads in public ministry in the church are going to have a very different experience of the church. Maybe somebody who grew up in the city, somebody who grew up with a different faith, somebody who grew up agnostic. So when we're talking to this generation, it's important not to just assume they have a certain view of the church and ask this person, hey, what's your experience with the church? Have you ever gone to the church? What are Christians like in your life? Why don't you go to church if you don't? What would bring you back? Because there's such a range of experiences. Now, as a whole, we can make a few generalizations. And one I mentioned earlier, this is in the volume two Gen Z study that I think came out, came out for 2020 or 2021 by Impact 360 and uh, Barna. And they said, we're starting to see with Gen Z less baggage from previous compared to previous generations within the church because less are being raised in the church. And those who are being raised in the church are going to church less often and have less commitments than previous generations do. So that's one piece to keep in mind uh, as a whole. I think that's a good thing that there's less baggage from the church, but we're also seeing biblical illiteracy grow and increase greatly so even awareness of basic stories that you and I take for granted, like I'll make a reference to Samson and David and Ahab. It's like, who is this on many wow. in that generation? The biblical literacy continues to drop as well. So how in the world does the church rescue what, what seems to be from the data when we see, hey, yeah, they have less baggage, but it's because they're some of it's they have less exposure to church mm. so they they can have less baggage um they're very tolerant of other religions and i go it seems to me it's because they haven't really learned what the truth is i'm 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 curious about approach um you know you got <clears throat> guys today that are very uh abrasive and yet very popular uh among gen zers uh when it comes to political things i think of Steven Crowder, Ben Shapiro, uh, Prager University. So I see things like that on ones. I see the the loving approach of, hey, I want to educate you on the truth. But it seems like they're tolerant of, man, two plus two could be kind of whatever you want. And they just haven't learned that four is the right answer yet when it comes to um, when it comes to worldviews. So, man, I'm kind of I'm like, I, I'm really interested in how how should the church, how should the leadership in the church, how should we as Christians in general be trying to reach out to them? How do we equip them? How do we disciple them? How do we help? What do you think, man? Yeah, so that that's a huge question. I love that you asked this. And I, I sense a couple things to this generation. There's many in this generation that <clears throat> love Shapiro, my son included. He watches them on TikTok and he talks about it. He just finds them fascinating and interesting. Uh, I did a video with, with Prager. I did one of their Prager yep. videos a couple of years ago. Like, I love what they do. I don't know Crowder as much. I know he has a huge YouTube channel, but I think both of them would concede that their primary role is not trying to draw people to their Jewish faith. Both Shapiro <laughs> and Prager are Jewish. They have political and cultural goals. Now, I think Christians can and should be involved in politics and should have cultural goals. I think we just have to ask ourselves, how do we use certain mediums, whether it's social media, 
YouTube, uh, podcasts, etc. Because when we we communicate through the message and also the medium, and increasingly, and this is not really this is not a comment about Prager Shapiro. This is a comment about media as a whole. Is that there's a certain way to succeed in media that I think sometimes can undermine the gospel message. So be shocking, say something different and you get more hits and you get more attention. I mean, I've wrestled with this on my YouTube channel. It's grown significantly yeah. and I love it. Their ideas come through my mind. I'm like, wow, I could spend, send that viral if I would say that. But is that a Christ-like attitude? Is that a Christ-like approach? And I don't know that we ask those kinds of questions within the church. So it's a church, we need to be different in terms of our message, but also our medium in terms of how we communicate and not take our script from the world, take our script from scripture. Now, one thing I do hear is I hear a lot, this tends to be a lot of millennials and maybe older Gen Zers, that there is a conflation between the church and between politics in a way that potentially compromises the message. I hear that a lot and studies show that. Now, does that mean we stop talking about politics or pro-life? No, it doesn't. But we have to be as innocent and doves and wise as serpents how we do so and make sure that our end goal is reaching and loving this generation first. Politically, I would argue is second. Doesn't make it unimportant, but reaching this generation is primary. That's really a broad way of addressing this. We could get into some of those particulars, but I think the best way to reach this generation is through relationships. It's through relationships. And Eric, this is something you and I and every single person this chat who watches it later can do it. Rather than saying, hey, Eric Hovind's got a TV show. He's going to reach this generation or Sean McDowell does. All of us have a responsibility with our kids, to those in our church, to mentor, to build relationships, to have spiritual conversations. It's a bottom-up approach that I think it's all hands on deck with this generation because they have more challenges spiritually because of the smartphone than any generation that's ever lived and morally and intellectually and emotionally. It's all hands on deck relationally, bottom up to reach this generation. I ask myself, well, can, can it be done? <laughs> can, can we do it? When I, when I keep seeing these numbers, Honestly, it's discouraging for me in ministry. I'm going, sure. wow. It feels like as as more my, the influence we have is kind of here, but the influence needed now is, you know, 10 years later is here. I mean, it's it's like we're it doesn't feel like we're keeping up. Um and I'm genuinely interested in is it because <clears throat> people in the church have tried to use the clickbait, use the um, stuff and Gen Z is like, I see through that. You're just, are we, are we, are we, are we really presenting in love in a way that they are also hearing? Because when all yeah. they get coming at them and when, when social media is built around selling advertisements and all of you know the news and stuff is built on, I need to sell something. So I got to get their attention. Here's how I get their attention so I can advertise. It just seems like, yeah, it's like, well, you almost feel like, well, we lost. I, I can't even get their attention. They're so distracted. I can't even get their attention is what it feels like. 
Well, first off, I feel that way. And oftentimes I'm like, wow, am I making a difference? Because there's so many other voices speaking in this into this generation. It's easy to give up. All I can tell you is how I approach this. I, I can't save anybody. <laughs> I can't so change culture and neither can you. All I can do is be faithful to what God has called me to do and leave the results to him. I mean, you look in the Old Testament, certainly Elijah is like, um, I'm the only one here, Lord. He's depressed. Yeah, yeah. No good kings in the north. You look at the apostles, feel like, you know, when Jesus dies, all had been lost. The Christian story is of the faithful remnant refusing to give up and loving people. The road is narrow. So it doesn't surprise me. And when I focus it back that way in my life, I'm able to be like, okay, why would I expect any differently than this? This is a story from the beginning, for the most part, of the Christian faith. Now, as a draw, when we look at this generation, I think one of the big things that turns them away is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. I think some of the biggest challenges to this generation are not that Christianity is false, but that Christianity is bad, that it's not good. That's the heart of it. So you look, for example, again, at Barna's top objections that this generation has, and some of the top objections they have are things like hypocrisy within the church, um, hatred towards the LGBTQ community, not enough care for issues on race, uh, injustices done by Christians, and even some would point back towards historic injustices in a generation we talked about that's so pressed on social justice. The bad things and seeming bad things Christians have done just completely undermines the gospel. It does. So we have two things. Number one, we have truth. We actually have truth on our side. And I will never forget that. Second, we have the love and grace of Christ. This is a generation, like you said, that wants to know truth, but they're also desperate for community and relationships. And in our cancel culture, it is Christianity that has grace. So yeah. speak truth, model grace. And when this generation is open, they'll respond to it. So I don't look a ton at numbers. I look at individuals. I got an email from a young person and this video meant something to them. Somebody read this chapter in a book. I gave a talk and had a conversation with a young person. That's how I look at this because that's all I can change. And frankly, all of us can make a difference with young, one young person in their life. So if everybody in the church just took more ownership of their kids and their grandkids and the young people in their community, we change things. Well, that's actually was going to be my next question. We're going to have to let social media go here in just a second, but um, I want to get to that in this next, in this next section with our, with our partners. What is your advice to the church? Sounds like we just heard it. And then I want to know what, maybe, maybe let's just do this and then we'll unpackage that more in the, in the next session. Um, what, what would be your advice to a Gen Zer watching this? What should they be doing um, right now, knowing there's kind of a, uh, a standoffishness to the church a little bit? Um, what are your thoughts to Gen Z about the bride of Christ, about what this is? If a Gen Zer is watching this and they have experienced some hurt of the church, I would say, I'm sorry. I, I mourn for you. 
my encouragement would be to try to separate who Jesus really was and is from the poor way that you were treated by the church and by Christians. There is nobody that has spoken out more famously and consistently against hypocrisy than Jesus. <laughs> so if you experience hypocrisy at the hands of the church, know that Jesus mourns with you and grieves that you've been hurt by this. With that said, nobody who's ever lived has had more influence on music, art, science, government, history, literature than Jesus. Nobody has. And Jesus said the most important question is, who do you say that I am? So any Gen Z are watching this, if you are open to knowing truth, put your smart down, phone down for a minute and just read the gospel of John. That's it. Take a couple hours of your life and read it and ask yourself, who is this person, Jesus? And why has he turned the world upside down? And if you read with an openness, I think you might be amazed at the character, at the grace of Jesus, his love for the marginalized, the broken, those who are left out. There's a reason why more people throughout the history of the world call themselves Jesus followers than anybody else. That's my encouragement to Gen Zers. My encouragement to the church is to say, let's focus on this generation. There's a lot of important issues. I get it. We've got to focus on race. Huge issue. We've got to focus on pro-life. We've got to focus on sex trafficking. I'm saying, and we have to focus on the next generation who's going to be leading the church when you and I are gone. Our, is our time and our resources focused on this generation? Because the Bible has a lot to say, such as Psalm 78, Deuteronomy 6, about passing on and equipping the next generation. Man. Okay. For those of you on social media, I got to let you go. But before I do, I want you to get a copy of his book so the next generation will know so that you can actually really unpackage this in a better way. Uh, Creation Today is offering that on a special deal to today only. So you can grab this. Um, it's The link will be in the description. Uh, the the insights and the it's Sean, it really is a blessing to see you dig through all the data, read all the books, go through all the research, and then just simplify it so that we can read it and go, oh, here's the main points, here's the main thoughts that I need to take away from this. So thanks for investing your life in making it easier for others to know where to go when what to know uh, in, in how they approach this. So you can go to creationtoday.org or the creation store and grab that. Um, hey, to our Creation Today partners out there, I want to say thank you. I'm going to be, uh, we'll be just with you guys here in just a minute. Many of you may not know that our organization, Creation Today, it's a nonprofit, and we do operate on partnerships with people like you, because we really want to take the truth of science and the truth of scripture, man, around the world. We want the gener uh, we want a whole Gen Z to understand that God's word is true. And these conversations that we have are just a way of saying thank you to our partners. Uh, so if you want to consider being a partner with Creation Today, just go to creationtoday.org. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Actually, we're halfway through almost our 100-day challenge. As of today, there's 59 days left in 2021. And we're just asking this question. Hey, if you're a Christian out there, what are you doing with the rest of 21, 2021 to impact eternity? And if you're not doing much, get busy somehow. Maybe it's adopting some Gen Z individual and saying, I am going to invest 
in them. Uh, maybe it's partnering with a ministry. Maybe it's jumping on Sean McDowell's email list and just simply sharing his YouTube videos. You can, maybe it's joining with Creation Today and being a partner. Bottom line is, let's get busy. 59 days left in 2021. If you want to partner with Creation Today, go to creationtoday.org partner. Hey, next week, I'm really excited. Uh, we're doing 60 minutes of youth pastoring in, or excuse me, 20 years of youth pastoring in 60 minutes with uh, my friend Shad out at uh, Calvary Chapel, um, uh, yeah, Costa Mesa, uh, awesome guy. Man, he has been dealing with youth like you, Sean, for years and years and has a lot of insight on reaching this next generation. Uh, I want to encourage you to check out Sean's work. Go to seanmcdowell.org to check out all that Sean has done. Hey, thanks for joining me, guys. I look forward to seeing you next week for that next conversation.